Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We are starting a new series today, and it is our Lent series. Now, we're already partway through Lent, and if you are not familiar with the, with the practice of Lent, it is a long, long, long-standing church practice. And some of you, if you're like me, I grew up in a very traditional church um, setting where Lent was a big part of it. It started with like ashes on your forehead and there were a lot of things that you weren't allowed to do during Lent. But Lent was actually, it was, the, it was a preparation time for Easter. And it was actually, and, and this is because Easter in the church, in church history, on the church calendar, Easter was the biggest party celebration of the year way more than Christmas. The culture took Christmas and consumerized it and made it into this big consumer thing. But in the church history, Easter was the big party day. And that's why it was, it was so big in the church because the church was celebrating not just that Jesus rose from the dead, but what Jesus rising from the dead meant. It meant something. It meant something very powerful, something very specific. And it, it goes like this. See, in, in God's original creation, God made everything good, but then humans broke it. We broke it bad. And it wasn't just Adam and Eve's fault. It was all of our fault <laughs> because we keep going on breaking things. Hello? We keep doing that. And, and so what happened is instead of, in, God made creation, he made it perfect, but humans broke it when instead of be fulfilling our role as rulers on earth with God, bringing his goodness, his life, his beauty, his rightness into creation, the first humans, they wanted to be God. And we kind of keep doing that. We want to do what we want to do. True. And so what happened is they broke everything. Not only did they break creation, but they released, I like to call it, it's like a genetic defect into every single human being that would be born. And that genetic defect is something called sin. Now we think of sin as the bad stuff we do. But that's actually a very simplistic, very small part of what sin actually is. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. In other words, we miss the mark of what it means to live and be a true human. On our own, we miss that mark. We're broken rulers or broken kings. But... That's not where all, that's bad news, that's sad news. But the good news is, and this is where Easter comes in, is because what Jesus did. See, Jesus was the good king that came to earth, and he came to rule in a right way, but he came to bring God's love and God's purpose. He came to bring God's goodness. He came to start something new. And see, when Jesus, when he went to the cross, and then when he rose from the dead, that resurrection 
was a sign that God really was starting his plan to heal, to restore, and to fix what was broken. That's called God's kingdom coming to earth. Jesus did not come to save us so someday we get whisked away to heaven and we leave this earth. He's coming back to the earth. God's making all things new on the planet. And see, that's why, that's what Easter is such a big thing. It is a big, huge party. Now, what, what's the idea behind Lent? Well, Lent, it's to prepare us to celebrate and receive in a fresh way the miracle of Easter into our lives. That's what Lent is all about. Because if you're going to receive the good stuff, see, part of receiving is actually acknowledging how bad we are. Part of being able to receive the fullness of what God has given to us in and through Jesus Christ, we can't actually receive that by working hard. We can't receive it by trying to make ourselves worthy. If you're doing that, you're kind of going in the wrong direction, <laughs> taking you on the wrong course. See, there's nothing we can do, but we have to acknowledge how much, how lacking, how bad, how inept, how much of a failure we actually are, how much we're missing the mark before we can receive all the good stuff that only Jesus can give. And see, that's why Lent is so powerful. It's a time of reflecting. It's a time of, of and, and, and not like in this heavied out, oh, I'm such a worm, I'm horrible, I'm terrible. It's not that at all. It's actually a time of reflecting on and thinking about all Jesus has already done for us that we can receive and that we can celebrate. And so that's why a lot of times during Lent, you see people, I'm giving up this, I'm giving up that, I'm giving up this. And it kind of connects. You know what Mike had said earlier, we don't do those things to try to get God's favor for God to forgive us, for God to love us, and God to do nice stuff for us. We do that. We give those things up so we have more space in our head space and maybe even in our schedules to focus more on the great and wonderful gift of salvation that we have in Jesus. See, that's why Lent is so powerful. And you know what? I want to encourage you. What we do online in our online community, there are a lot of you that are already part of this. And you know what? It's not too late. We are doing an online Lent devotional. You can jump in for the, less, the remaining 30 days or 28 days or whatever it is. And if you go to the online, our City Life online group, if you haven't joined it yet, you got to join the group. And You'll find the link in there where you can join the devotional, the online U version devotional. It's so great reading through with other people and hearing other people's thoughts and how the word of God is speaking to them. But you know what? This is so important. Lent is that time. It's, man, we, it's, it's, we acknowledge, man, there's what broken parts of us are still lingering. You know, how are we still being broken kings? And so this series, Broken Kings, Overcoming the Kings that rule us. I wonder what kings might be ruling you. Maybe it's the speaking. <laughs> Your words just continually get you into trouble. <laughs> or the look king. <laughs> the looking. Your eyes are getting you into trouble. Or maybe the choking. You just feel like certain things about life. They're just choking the life out of you. Not literally, but just choking the life out of your soul. You just feel like, ah, it's just like you're just so restricted. And maybe the COVID's restricted. It's the choking king. <laughs> maybe it's the freaking. Fear is causing you to live so freaking fearful. 
freaking out, or maybe it's the blocking. You know, you're trying to move forward, but you just, you keep, you got all the good intentions, and you take a few steps forward, and then boom, it's like something gets in your way. What's blocking you? Every step, you seem to be blocked. Every step in your business, you seem to be blocked. What is blocking you? Maybe it's a blocking king, or the faking. No, faking, the mask is always there. You kind of have a day or two where you want to take it up, and it comes right back on. The faking, or the slacking. The slacking, what happens when we get caught up in slacking? Well, today, we're going to look at a broken king by the name of Saul. How many of you have heard of King Saul? Have you heard of King Saul? Who was King Saul? If you're not familiar with him, you can read about him in 1 Samuel. In fact, in your notes, there should be, if not online, our co-hosts are going to put in there a link. Don't go there now. You can go there later. But there's a link to a really great video called The Bible Project, and it gives you a rundown. It, it gives you like a recap of what, not just what Saul's life is, but where his life fits into the story of the start of Kings and what we're supposed to learn about him. But Saul, he was Israel's first human king. See, they'd already had a king. It was God. But they wanted a king like everybody else. And so what happened is they're like, we want a king. We want a king. And Samuel, the prophet at the time, who God had prophets before he had kings. And the prophets were to be the people that would speak for God. They would speak to the people for God so that they would make clear what God was saying. Because several million people already had showed they don't listen very well. <laughs> and they would get things mixed up. And so God would appoint prophets. And one of the prophets was Samuel and and the people said, Samuel, give us the king. And, God, and Samuel was grieved. He's like, God's already your king. And God's like, just, I, 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 yeah, I, I agree, Samuel. They're stupid. But you know what? What they're asking, yes, it's wrong. Yes, it's not going to end good at all. But give them what they want. Oh, you know what? Not every prayer answered. Not every prayer answered. Sometimes God gives us what we want. But it's because God needs to teach us something. I remember some prayers that I prayed. I thought they were an answer from God. Only to discover a year, two years in, it's just like that was so not God. In what I thought it was going to be. But Saul, he was Israel's first king. Unfortunately... He, his life is kind of a tragedy. I would liken him to Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Star Wars. How many of you are Star Wars? Star Wars people, yes. Online, thumbs up. If you're Star Wars online, you can shout out. Actually, we can all do this. Online, you can type out your favorite Star Wars character. On the count of three in this room, you can shout out your favorite Star Wars character. One, two, three. Yoda? Baby Yoda. I know. Baby Yoda is the best. Baby Yoda. He's just cute. Anyway, but he's like Anakin Skywalker in this. He starts out, man, he is the handsome heartthrob. Saul, he is head and shoulders above everybody else. He seems to be Israel's solution to all of their problems, except he does not deal with his dark side. He goes crazy. His own, his spiritual son becomes his enemy, and then it just gets really messy from there on. It's just really sad and really bad. But we're going to look at 
Saul's life, his story is a story of what not to do. Everyone say what not to do. See, a lot of the stories in the Bible are what not to do. That's why they're in there. God's like making it clear. Don't do this, okay? Don't do this. And Saul's story, oh my goodness. We're going to read, starting in 1 Samuel 13 is where I'm going to jump in. This is a couple years into, about two years into his reign of being king. And so here we go. Saul was a young man when he began as king. He was king over Israel for many years. He ended up ruling for 40 years. Isn't that crazy? God let a bad king rule for 40 years. Saul conscripted enough men for three companies of soldiers. He kept two companies under his command at Michmash in the Bethel Hills. The other company was under Jonathan, which was his son, Agabeah and Benjamin. He sent the rest of the men home. Jonathan attacked and killed the Philistine governor stationed at Geba or Gebeah. Now, Philistines, they were the arch enemy of Israel. When the Philistines heard the news, they raised the alarm. The Hebrews are in revolt. Saul ordered the reveille trumpets blown throughout the land. The word went out all over Israel. Saul has killed the Philistine governor. He's drawn first blood. The Philistines are stirred up and mad as hornets. Summoned, the army came to Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines rallied their forces to fight Israel. Three companies of chariots, six companies of cavalry, and so many infantry, they looked like sand on the seashore. I think it's interesting because God had told his people, you're going to be like sand on the seashore. They went up in the hills and set up camp at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the Israelites saw that they were outnumbered and in deep trouble. They ran for cover, hiding in caves, pits, ravines, brambles, and cisterns, wherever. They retreated across the Jordan, refugees fleeing to the country of Gad and Gilead. But Saul held his ground in Gilgal, his soldiers still with him, but scared to death. He waited seven days The time set by Samuel, that's a really important point to remember. Samuel failed to show up at Gilgal, and the soldiers were slipping away right and left. So Saul took charge. Bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. He went ahead and sacrificed the burnt offering. Now, side note. Offerings and sacrifices were to be done by one person only, the priest, not the king, the priest. No sooner had Saul done it than Samuel showed up. Saul goes out to greet him, Samuel, hey buddy. Saul, Samuel's like, what on earth are you doing? Saul answered, well, when I saw I was losing my army from under me and that you hadn't come when you said you would and that the Philistines were poised at Michmash. I said, the Philistines are about to come down on me and Gilgal. I haven't yet come before God asking for his help. Interesting how he was cloaking what he was doing as an act of worship. 
I took things into my own hands and sacrificed the burnt offering. That was a full thing to do, Samuel said. If you had kept the appointment that your God commanded by now, God would have set a firm and lasting foundation under your kingly rule over Israel, as it is. Your kingly rule is already falling to pieces. Two years in, he was going to rule for another 40 years. 40 years of disaster? That's terrible. As it is, your kingly rule is already falling to pieces. God is out looking for your replacement right now. This time, he'll do the choosing. And in one version, I love what it says, the Lord is seeking out for himself a man after his own heart, not his own heart. All because you didn't keep your appointment with God. And at that, Samuel got up and left Gilgal. What army was left followed Saul into battle. Like, that would be a terrible battle to head into. So here's the question for us. Are we taking control? Or are we letting God's will unfold? Will we be those that take control? Or will we be those that let God's will unfold? You know, I don't know about you, but I can easily relate to Saul. You know, his army, it was, they were, everybody was leaving. All his support systems, it was dwindling. The voice of God in his life, Samuel, was late. <laughs> Not over that, he was overwhelmed. He felt like, we're losing. I'm looking at these Philistines. There are a massive amount of them. There is no way we can stand up to them. Come on, how many times have we felt alone, overwhelmed, and like God is silent? Anybody experience that? Have you ever felt like that? God, I feel like I'm all alone here. What's going on? Where are you? You might not be facing off an army, but you might have some other kind of enemy that you're facing off against. Dwindling support. God is silent, and I feel like there's no hope. So what can we learn from Saul? What can we learn from his life? Because remember, his life is a what not to do. Here's the first one. Everyone say number one. Number one. When God seems delayed, remember. When God seems delayed, remember. Now, remember what? Well, we got to go back. Jump back to 1 Samuel 10. This is when Samuel anointed Saul as king, and it was a bizarre experience because it was out of the blue for Saul. Samuel, he meets Saul in a miraculous way, and he says, guess what? You're going to be the next king. I'm going to anoint you as king, and he brings some oil. He's dumps it out on Saul's head. It was kind of like a behind-the-scenes anointing for Saul, and what happened was Saul's just like, uh, how do I know this is like a real thing? Like, you're kind of like the crazy prophet. And Samuel gives Saul three very specific signs. Like, they were ridiculously specific. Like, you're going to go back home. Your donkeys that were lost, they're already going to be found. You're going to meet these two people here, and this is what they're going to say to you. All of this stuff unfolded exactly like Samuel said, except for one thing. 10.8. This is right after the three signs, the three promises that Samuel gave to Saul. He says, now, uh, let's read verse 7. When these confirming signs are accomplished, you'll know that you're ready. Whatever job you're given to do, do it. God is with you. 
Now, Samuel said, go down to Gilgal and I will follow. I'll come down and join you in worship by sacrificing burnt offerings and peace offerings. Wait seven days, then I'll come and tell you what to do next. This was a two-year promise that Samuel had given to Saul. And see, if Saul would have remembered how specific the other promises that Samuel had given him had come to pass, if he had only remembered, he would have waited. And see, I don't know about you, but it's so easy, man, when, it's, when God does it, everything seems delayed. It's like it's so easy to just take things into control, to just take things into my own hand. But we remember, everyone say, remember. So we stop and remember we remember, maybe it's remember a promise, or maybe it's remember, maybe it's remember what you did before that didn't work out. Man, I just, it baffles me sometimes. You know, years can go by and we make the same, oh, it's right this time. We fail to remember how wrong it was the first time. Isn't it true? How wrong it was going into that relationship. How wrong it was making that same kind of business deal the same way when everybody was going, no, don't do it. Oh, I heard from God this time. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? We do this all the time. Everyone say, remember, remember when God seems delayed, remember patience. Oh man, see, I love what 2 Timothy 3, 9, it says, the Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises as some people think he is. In fact, God is patient. God isn't slow. He's patient. When he's delaying, it's because he's wanting something to grow in us. And you know what that thing is that he's wanting to grow? It's more valuable than anything you think you need, ask for, or could want. It's something called trust. The Bible word for it is faith, but it actually means trust because we associate faith with a believing, a mind thing. It's not so much that. It's a trust thing. It's a heart thing. And see, if I were to say, who can I say? Haley, you're good. You can stand up right where you're at. How good are you at holding your breath? You pretty good? Okay. Yeah, you're pretty good? Okay. If I tell you, I need you to hold your breath until this vapor disappears, do you think you could do it? How many think you, she can do it? Okay, she's not away online. You're just going to have to imagine. Oh, you know what? Can you come up here and face everybody just so they can see it? Maybe the camera can go down. I don't know. Your sister's on the camera. She can figure it out. We'll see if you can. No, you, leave her. you can leave it off. Yeah, you're, well, I don't know. Whatever. She's away from me. <laughs> okay, you can look at me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to count. On the count of three, I'm going to switch it, and then you're going to hold your breath until it stops. All right? Until it disappears. You think you can do it? You sure? Okay. It's pretty gone. Okay, is it still poof, poof it? <laughs> I can't see it. I can't distinguish. Okay, we're good. It's <laughs> Way to go. How easy was that? That's pretty easy. We could probably get the most unhealthy person in the room to do that, and then it will disappear. You know what? Scripture tells us that all of our life, all of history, all of the whole planet, your life is like a vapor. And there's times when God delays and he simply says, just wait. 
And we think it's going to be forever. But it's a vapor, poof, in light of the greatness of his plans that he has. It's just a vapor. You can trust him. You can trust him. Here's the second thing. Number two, feelings will fool you. Do not let them rule you. The second thing that we can learn from Saul is this. Feelings will rule you. Don't, feelings will fool you. Don't let them rule you. Look at again at verse Verse 12, where he was saying, look at God, I, I haven't yet come before God asking for his help. So I took things into my own hands and sacrificed the burnt offering. Other versions says, I felt compelled to offer the sacrifice. I had to do it. And another one says, I forced myself to offer it. I didn't want to, but I had to. I felt this was my only option. I had to. I felt like I had no choice. Come on, how many of we have ever been in that spot? I felt like this was my only option. I felt like I had to. I felt like God, this was the only way out. Feelings will fool you. Don't let them rule you. And number three, when you think you've waited as long as you can, wait just a little bit longer. Wait just a little bit longer. How many of you have experienced this in, you know, you're waiting in a long line and it's like gets longer and is longer and something happens, you're like, oh, forget it. And then you miss, you know, meeting the celebrity or getting the autograph or Costco lines. How's that one? Like you switch, you're waiting forever and you're just like, that line's shorter over there. I'm just going to go switch. And then the line that you were in gets up, you're, you would have been there sooner than if you had switched. Anybody, am I the only one that that happens to? I think I was all the time. No, I'm just like, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. There's so much that we can miss because we go too soon. Everyone's say go too soon here's the thing about waiting man in the last moments this is where love oh, it's just so hard and I find in the last moments of waiting is where the taking taking shows up where the temptation is to take things into our own hands and just make things happen and sometimes it looks like we're doing something for God Saul, I haven't yet come before God asking for his help. You know, there's a huge, huge difference between doing something for God and doing something from God. There's a huge difference between doing something for God and doing something from God. Doing something from God is from his heart, from his life, from his strength, from his purposes, from his spirit. Man, that song that we were singing earlier today, we need a fresh wind of your presence. Pour your spirit out. See, there is no fast track to knowing God. And you know, this is waiting on God is when we do something from God, it's we know God. That comes from that place of knowing God. And there is just no fast track to knowing God because intimacy is a long, slow process. It comes through waiting. It comes through hanging out. Um, you want to grab this? Just hold the end for me, JD. Okay, let's get this one. Well, let's do, we can just do two. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, I'm going to have to do it myself. Sorry. I need, yeah, I was going to have you do something, but in the Bible, the word wait 
is a word, it's the Hebrew word kava. Can you say kava? Kava. Kava. It just sounds like kava. <laughs> you know what it means? It means to entwine or twist, to knit together. Waiting in the Bible is an intentional knitting of our heart to God's heart, his purposes, his ways. It's not distracting ourselves or busying ourselves until what we want happens. It's an intentional, active pursuit of God through prayer, through worship, through his word, through sometimes waiting in silence. Kava. Knitting our heart to his heart and his purposes. I just want to bring this home with something I really, I don't say this a lot because I think sometimes we can say things like this too much and then we kind of tune out. But I felt it was a bit of a whisper from God for this coming season. And if I could put one word on what I really believe God is asking us and inviting us into in this coming season, you know, as things maybe start to change, as restrictions start to lift, as life kind of looks like it might get back to normal. If there was one word I could describe what is a word for us now, it's pause. Everyone say pause. Pause. And you know, sometimes when we're chomping at the bit for something, and when the gates are opened, it's like, you know, those racehorses, they're, you know, they're, they're standing behind the gates and they're going nuts and they're getting all stirred up and they can't wait because they know what's coming. And as soon as the bell goes and the gates are up, they go charging out. And, you know, the tendency that we might have in this season, you know, is life seems like it's getting back to normal where we're like, oh, man. All of the, you know, all of life and the activities and all of the things that we have been waiting to resume and to get going again. You know, the tendency might be when the COVID gates get lifted to just go charging out and, and just go boom, right back into everything, all of our schedules, all of our activities, all of the things that consumed our time and our brain space and our passion. And we can miss that filling and fueling in the work that God had started and it's maybe still in the process of doing. See, when you go, waiting on God is like getting your tank fueled. And if you've ever, you know, if you pull up to fill your car, your vehicle, your truck, whatever, if you pull out while the handle is still in your gas tank, that is a recipe for disaster. It is. Things could go boom or whatever. But, you know, and it's the same way. I think there's times when, you know, there's like a pause. I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us into in this coming season. And the question is, when it looks like everything is boom, back to normal, could we be willing to take a pause and make sure that God's complete work in us is done? That we're fueled by his heart. That we're fueled by his purpose. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit, he just waits. He's like, yeah, you could, but will you wait? And sometimes he just wants to see how hungry we are. 
Can he trust us with the power he's about ready to release to his life? But I love this. The Lord has sought out a man for himself, a man after his own heart. Not a man after his own heart. And you know, could we be those in this season that would be willing to say, God, it's not our own way and our own plans, but God, it's your plans that we want. We want you. We want your way and your ways. Let's stand. Online, I want to invite you to maybe just close your eyes or if you feel like you want to stand as well. But I want us to just, can we just open up our, our hands in a posture of receiving just a God, we need your grace. We need your strength in a season. And, you know, and this is, there, there's so much. This don't, don't hear what I'm not saying about the pause. Yeah, there's some things that we need to get back into. You need to get back into the house of God. You need to get back into connection and relationship. We need to get back into being human again, being with each other, being with community. I'm not talking about the pause on those things. I'm talking about the pause on all of the things that were maybe distractions or filling or things that we were maybe involved in and God got the leftovers previously. And that could we pause enough to say, God, we want that complete work done in us. We don't want to be premature. God, we want to be fully formed. Father, we want to receive that full life and power that only you can give and fill us with God, not just so that we can be wonderful and we can be free and life can be great, but God, our world needs your power. Our world needs that reflection of you in your power, in your goodness, in your wholeness, in your freedom, in your joy, in your hope. And Lord, not that we'd be weighed down with anger or fear or apprehension or fearfulness or anxiety or worry. God, we need to reflect you into our world to be the light bringer and God, that's why we want the full work of what you're doing and what you desire to do in us. God, may help us to be willing to take that pause and to say, God, I know you're still doing something. I want all that you have. I want all that you have. And just with every eye closed, including online, I want to pray and I want to, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, it's a prayer of saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. That's where it starts. It's following Jesus, following him in his footsteps. That's where you get to know him by following him. You don't get to know him through knowledge. You get to know him through following. And so we're all going to pray this prayer together out loud because nobody prays alone. Jesus, thank you for everything that you have done through your cross, through your death, and mostly through your resurrection. I say yes to a new life following you, to being on mission with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.